with all the news around the Pac-12, folks keep forgetting that really good football is about to be played in this conference this year. And that's what we're talking about today in our 2023 Pac-12 preview. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. the three technique a college football podcast at the intersection of the x's and o's and the jimmies and the joes joined by garrett turney today and uh, garrett we've got the pac-12 preview uh on deck as i mentioned off the top like nobody's talking about the football that's about to be played in this conference and you know understandably so we want to know what conference realignment is going to look like uh first it was is colorado coming they definitely are leaving and going to the big 12 now uh, the focus is seemingly on the rest of the four corner schools right now. But as I was digging into all of these teams in the last couple of weeks preparing for this, I think at the top you've got your thoroughbreds in, in USC and Washington and Oregon, but Utah's going for three straight Pac, uh, Pac-12 championships. Oregon State's been very good. UCLA looks plucky. And then on down the list, this is going to be a really fun conference this season. Yeah, that about wraps it. Good job. Um, <laughs> it, it really is going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be an awesome conference this year. I think it's going to be one of the most fun conferences to watch that we've had in a while. I think probably the most unpredictable this year. I could legitimately see five teams winning this conference. Um, and I think you could maybe make a case for a six, maybe a seven. Um, but I think five teams really have a shot depending on how things play out. Now we're going to have to see it on the field. It depends how the schedule breaks. Um, but no, it's going to be a fun conference. Some of the the premier quarterbacks in the game in this conference as well. So it should be really high level football, not just competitive because everyone's at the same you know area. Should be pretty high level with you know guys like Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, and you know Cam Rising and everybody else. Like there, there should be some really good quarterbacks playing uh, this year in the Pac-12, and it should make for some really really good football, some high scoring games. Uh, some thrilling finishes, some drama, hopefully not too much cannibalization, you know, hoping for, you know, whatever team rises up out of this to actually make the playoff this year. Yeah, well, you guys know the drill. We're going to dive into every single one of these teams, give you a picture of what the Pac-12 looks like top to bottom. Uh, But before we get there, a couple of shout outs, of course, this uh, preview brought to you by the Transfer Portal CFB Preview Magazine. That's been released now for Coming up on a month, and uh, guys, the the feedback continues to roll in. We had some ESPN writers retweeting it, saying this is one of the best preview mags that they've ever read, uh, specifically highlighting the Group of Five coverage. If you love diving into the Sun Belt, into the MAC, uh, these conferences did not receive any less treatment, any less coverage than the Power Five schools did. And because of that, we feel like we really have a special product for you, the Interviews are great. The analysis, the breakdowns of the schedules are fantastic. And uh, we really encourage you to head on over to the Transfer Portal CFB, whether it's their website, on social media, pick one up for just $9.99. It's one of the best preview magazines out there, and it is the cheapest major publication 
out on the market. Of course, we also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Homefield Apparel. Homefield, of course, is the premium collegiate apparel brand in Indianapolis. They make some of the best t-shirts, the softest t-shirts on the market, and they focus on the retro logos. They are a must-have if you're a college sports fan. Garrett, you've got some in the background. I'm wearing my Oregon State shirt today. Hail to uh, old Oregon State that came in the mail not too long ago, of course. If you are a first-time visitor, first-time listener, you can get 15% off your entire home field order by using code 3TECHPOD. We've had a number of listeners already uh, hop on that bandwagon, send us pictures. Uh, It's really, really cool to see you guys getting involved out there. Again, 3TECHPOD gets you 15% off your entire order at home field. Uh, Garrett, you know, we... (laughs) Typically, we've been going kind of in order by either standings or power rankings uh, for these previews. But without a doubt, I think the the first shall be last, the last shall be first, something like that. We're going to do the last shall be first, and we got to start with the Colorado Buffaloes, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They are without a doubt the the showstopper in the Pac-12 this season. They went one and eleven last year, one and eight in conference play, and that one win over California was a rock fight. It was a miracle that they won that game, but. Quite literally, everything has changed at Colorado, right? Deion Sanders comes over. He brings with him Sean Lewis, the former head coach at Kent State. Did not get fired, did not get let go by Kent State, but just walked out the door, said, nope, I'm going to go to Boulder. I'm going to be the offensive coordinator for Dion. And this offense is going to be oh so much fun. Uh, Charles Kelly comes over from Alabama to be the defensive coordinator. Overall, this team was dreadful last season, and they need to uh, overhaul just about everything in order to be competitive. The good news is they kind of have. And so for Colorado fans who are, are wondering where they're going to slot in in 2023, hopefully this breakdown gives you a little bit more clarity. Now, you've got two competing factors. You've got a lot of talent that is coming through the transfer portal, but you also have a brutal schedule. And we'll dive into that 2023 schedule coming up in just a minute. Uh, Team strength for this ball club, the offense should score a lot of points. And we're going to get into the offense here in just a second. But Sean Lewis combined with some of these skill position players that are coming in, Shadur Sanders at quarterback, out McCaskill at at running back, Kavasius Smoke at running back, plus a very talented wide receiver core. Like This should be a team that can put up points with the best of them. The weakness is going to be the interior of both the offensive and the defensive. Now, the defense is going to be kind of talented in parts. I think they're going to have a great edge rush uh, this season. I think their linebackers, their secondary should be very talented. But as far as stopping the run and having a consistent presence up the middle, I worry a little bit about that. Offensively, I've mentioned Shadur Sanders, one of the top FBS quarterbacks the last two years at Jackson State playing for primetime. His dad for over 7,000 yards at Jackson State. Didn't quite get Jackson State a championship, but got them very, very close uh, two years in a row. Uh, McCaskill comes over from Houston. Cavassier Smoke, a very talented, lightning-quick running back from Kentucky. And then the, the wide receiver core is going to be a mix of a lot of guys. Travis Hunter is going to be the showstopper. He's going to play on both sides of the football just as much as he can. And then you have Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn from South Florida as well. Jimmy Horn kind of had a lot more fanfare around his recruitment once he went in the portal because he contemplated going to so many big programs. But Xavier Weaver had over 15 yards of catch 
last season. He should be wide receiver one uh, for the Buffaloes this year. Defensively, I mentioned their struggles last year. They were dead last in the country. They gave up over 44.5 points a game, which is criminal. Uh, and a lot of those guys were told by Prime on his first day here, hey, hit the portal. You're not going to be playing. We don't really want you here. And, uh, you know, that, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but uh, it has gotten a lot of roster spots cleared. The stars on that side, I mentioned Travis Hunter. He's going to play both ways. He'll be a cornerback and a wide receiver for them. And then a lot is being made of five-star freshman Cormani McClain, was committed to Miami for a long time, now has, uh, has flipped to Colorado, and he should be the other starting corner this year. I mentioned the edge rushers, Derek McClendon from FSU, Savelle Smalls from Washington. There are a couple of stars that can bring a, a great quarterback pressure to this defense. Uh, and then linebackers, Brendan Gant and Levante Bentley uh, from FSU and from Clemson, respectively, kind of round out that unit. So there, there's a lot of transfers, right? That is that is first and foremost the story here. The question is not, is Colorado talented enough to win six, seven games and get to a bowl game? It's can they gel quickly enough to then overcome this schedule? And if you pull up that schedule, it's a tough one, right? You start at TCU, you play at Oregon at or versus USC before the bye week and then UCLA, Oregon State, Washington State, Utah to finish it. I'm really having a hard time getting Colorado 2-6-2-7 wins, despite what a lot of fans on the internet are saying. Yeah, well, and the, the great thing about our offseason is that the Colorado fans have given us plenty to talk about and have done a great job interacting. Uh, and they've certainly dominated the talking season, but now it's time to play. And I, I can get them to five and seven. That's where I have them right now. I have them going five and seven this next year. And I think that it'll be a pretty successful year for them. You have to remember they won one game. If you look over there at their schedule, you know, they got a lot of red. There's a whole lot of red and a lot of L's on that schedule. And I, I get it. Everything's new, but you have to put it in context as well. It's not like those fans weren't fans of this team last year that they've been used to watching Colorado lose a lot of games. Um, and not very many of them by small margins either. And, and so, you know, I, I think you have to look at this and say five wins for Colorado would be a massive step in the right direction. But again, it's just about managing expectations, figuring out, you know, kind of what, what you should expect from this team. When I look at this Colorado team, I think you can expect basically two things to be true. I think everything pass game for them is going to go really, really well. And I think everything run game for them is going to go really, really poorly. I think when it comes to the pass game, I think Shadur Sanders is a capable quarterback. I think he's pretty good. It's still yet to be seen how he transitions to the Power 5 level and how he's going to play against not necessarily elite defenses in the Pac-12, but better defenses than he's faced with better talent and better guys coming off the edge. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think it's still yet to be seen how that all gels together, right? You have to look at Travis Hunter, you know, obviously coming over as well. Um, big help getting him over but you have guys like you know jimmy horn xavier we were, we're still waiting to see what that looks like how that offense flows i think it's going to go really well i think that they're going to be able to pass the ball well i think they're going to be able to you know create some mismatches i think travis hunter is an elite player and, and i don't think that that's a hot take at all by any means i, I think he's an elite player and he's going to do really well at colorado but when you look at the the run game i, I just don't see how you run behind this offensive line 
And it doesn't have anything to do with the running backs. I think Cavassier Smoke is going to be a, a great player. If the offensive line can't push, you can't get anything established. So if you can find a way to maybe move the pocket a little bit for him and, you know, get, get Shadur Sanders, maybe he can scramble and create some running. That way, if you find a way to maybe get some zone schemes set up so that, you know, if, if just one guy can win his assignment, you can run behind him, that might be the way that they have to go. But right now, I, I don't know what you're looking at to watch a dominant run game. And I think it works the same way on the defense. The corners are going to be just fine. The, the secondary is going to be really good. They're going to be able to rush the passer. But I don't think they're going to be able to really, you know, bow up when they need to in the middle and, and stop the run. And, you know, you see this a lot of times with defenses where, you know, they'll rank really, really high in one aspect because they were really, really bad in the other aspect. So this this Colorado team might end up, you know, top 10, top 20 in pass defense because when opposing offenses line up across from them, they say, we're just going to run the football. and <laughs> We're just going to run the ball all day. We're going to play ball control and dominate. And they have some good teams on that schedule that can do that as well. If you look at it, you know, Nebraska is going to be able to run the ball, I think. Oregon, USC, you know, UCLA, Utah at the end of the year, Oregon State especially. I mean, there's going to be some really good running teams on this schedule. And, and those are the places where I think they get dominated. Those are the places where I think they really struggle to stop any of that. And when you have a good run game, you can, you know, hit you with some play action and everything else. So, look, I, I'm not saying that. I think things are going to go really poorly for the Buffaloes. Again, I have them at five and seven. That's a massive step in the right direction. But if you can't stop the run, you can't run effectively, road games get harder, big games get harder, games when it matters and it's third and three and you just got to find a way to pick up those three yards to keep the drive going, that's really hard to do when you can't run the football. And so I think that's going to be your big struggle this year with Colorado, albeit five and seven smashes the over over under right now, three and a half. Yeah. And five wins is a massive step in the right direction as they enter the big 12. Yeah. I think that's an important point. I mean, you know, we haven't necessarily agreed with the Vegas lines very often on this show. I mean, there have been some that have been right on the number, but it seems like a lot of, a lot of our predictions have a team comfortably covering the over comfortably going under um, Colorado, I think is a decent line because five and seven, four and eight seems much more realistic to me than two or three wins does right now. The one thing I will say that Colorado fans, I think should, should levy their expectations a little bit. I don't, I don't think the secondary is going to be elite this year. You're, you're relying on Travis Hunter, who yes, is, is a very good corner. I'm curious to see what he can do against these Pac-12 wide receivers, which yeah. there's one thing that the Pac-12 is going to do this year. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Even the the teams that, you know, I think are going to struggle to get wins, Arizona, Arizona State, uh, those teams, you've still got some really good wide receivers and, yeah. and, and QBs that are going to sling the rock, right? Cormani McClain's going to get picked on. I know he's a five-star, but he's a true freshman, right? He's yeah. never played at this level and to expect that there either won't be lumps or that he's going to play above average defense without seeing anything on the field, I, I believe is a little bit of a mistake. So for that reason, you know, I, I think they have a very good season. I also have them going at five and seven, and I say very good season relative to what it's been in the past, right? Right. I think five and seven is a tremendous year one. Folks hear five and seven from us and they think we're sliding Colorado. We think they they think we don't believe in prime as a coach, as a developer, I think the jury's still out on both of those counts. 
but saying five and seven in year one when he's brought in something like 50 total transfers from both the division one and division two levels that's not a slight that is a hearty round of applause yeah. I think Colorado is going to be a competitive factor uh, over the next couple of years in the Big 12. But as far as their Pac-12 swan song goes, even being mentioned in the conversation for a bowl game, I, I think is a tremendous success. Well, and let's be honest about it, too. If they go five and seven, Dion's going to dominate the portal next year. He'll He'll yeah. end up with the number one sure. class by a long shot. He's going to get almost anyone he wants because – they're going to look at that. They're going to say they're switching conferences to, I, I think a lot of people would say that with Texas and Oklahoma out of the Big 12, it's a lot more wide open. That may not necessarily be true, but that'll be national perception. And I think you're looking at that saying, well, here's their chance. Here's their chance to go in there to a new conference and prove that they can dominate and be the big dog in, in that conference. And so I think you'd get a lot of pretty top-level transfers, kind of the same what was you know TCU did this year with you know, getting some of those top guys from Bama when they were looking for places to go and, and, you know, kind of dominating in that way. I think you're going to see a pretty massive turnover uh, if they can go five and seven. So take the step in the right direction, you know, take it for what it is, you know, be happy about that for now. Obviously the goal is not five and seven when you bring in Deion Sanders and you're hoping that that's, you know, going to keep moving in the right direction, but year one, five and a seven is a great step in the right direction. And I think should be a, a point of celebration for Colorado fans. If you can get to six, take your bowl game, right? That's, that's awesome for you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Exactly. Take your winnings on hitting the over and uh, go party it up in a bowl game. Yeah. Here, let's move on to the the heavy hitter in the Pac-12, USC. Now, I know a lot of people, you included, will say, oh, hang on, let's talk about Utah. But <laughs> USC, uh, despite losing the Pac-12 championship last year, despite losing the Cotton Bowl, uh, is the championship favorite out of the conference this year, right? Lincoln Riley enters his second season at USC. Josh Henson did a wonderful job as both the offensive line coach and the OC last year. Uh, Alex Grinch is there. I think he's taken a lot of credit. I think this is a stolen valor situation where, um, listen, I don't believe he has anything to offer a program like USC, but he's there uh, and may <laughs> even be holding the USC defense back. I don't know. We'll see. The track record isn't good, but... All that to say, USC went 11 and three last season, eight and two in conference. They they had that heartbreaking loss in the Pac-12 championship game to Utah. Then they follow it up and lose to Tulane in inexplicable fashion in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, you know, kind of punching away multi-score lead uh, with eight minutes left in that ball game. 
And despite the flat tire that they kind of had to deal with at the end of the season, Caleb Williams comes back. He's without a doubt uh, another going to be the Heisman favorite this year. He's the easy favorite to go number one overall in the NFL draft in 2024 as we sit here in the preseason. And I think that the sky is truly the limit for this USC ball club, right? 11 and three a season ago. I don't see why you couldn't anticipate USC going 11 and one, 12 and 0. So you get a look on the the YouTube side at some of their uh, offensive rankings from, from last year. The, the offense was incredible and that is without a doubt the team's strength. The team weakness, though, might be the offensive line. They were a little inconsistent last year. So I'm curious to see how Josh Henson, who is a very good offensive line coach, curious to see how he kind of rallies the troops there. There's a ton of turnover on that line, potentially three new starters coming in from Washington State, from Florida, from Wyoming. And, and you know this, anytime you have multiple pieces coming on the offensive line, especially, it can be tough to get them to gel immediately. But... Looking into the offense a little bit further, you see on the screen right now, offense was number three in total, in scoring, and in passing offense last season. Caleb Williams threw for 4,500 yards, 42 touchdowns, just five interceptions. The wide receivers are really, really good once again. Now, Jordan Addison is a Minnesota Viking, so he's gone, but in comes Dorian Singer from Arizona, the leading receiver a season ago for, uh, for the Wildcats. He's now a Trojan. You've got Mario Williams. You've got Michael Jackson, Taj Williams, all back. And then, oh, by the way, Garrett, you get Marshawn Lloyd to transfer over from South Carolina to lead the running back room. This offense is incredibly scary, even if they're a half team. And I don't necessarily think they're going to be a half team. We'll get to the defense in a second. But even if they are, can this USC team run the table or go 11-1 and and get back to a Pac-12 championship I think it's on the table. I don't know that you can say if they're a half team, they'll get there. And that's kind of my big contention. I personally have them projected at 11 and one and getting back, but running the table would be something special. If you look at the schedule, I mean, there's a lot of tough games in their schedule. Like you were saying, like there's just a lot of opportunities for people to cannibalize themselves this year in the pac 12. And, you know, you've got Washington and Oregon late, UCLA is never an easy game. Utah towards the end of that schedule, right after a trip to Notre Dame, there's some real opportunities to slip there. And there's a lot of these teams that are really good. So they have to bring their A game every week if they're going to run the table in this conference. This isn't the kind of conference where you can just, you know, kind of get hyped up for one or two games and make sure that you're good. That's that's not the way that the Pac-12 is going to be this year. Um, With that being said, I do think that this is a pretty elite team and – I do think that right now I would probably, and I'm not going to say this yet because I haven't done my projections on everything yet, but I'd say probably right now they'd be one of my favorites to make the playoff just based on the way that they're positioned this year. Um, But yeah, man, I mean, this is a tough schedule. I I don't think that they can do it all. I think right now the only game I have them losing is that late game at Oregon um, just because you have to go on the road end of the season. Yep. Um, and, you know, you're still talking about Bo Nix up there with the Oregon Ducks. We'll talk about them again in a second. But mm-hmm. I think that the big key for them is just going to be continuing to be able to run the football as well as they did, because that's kind of the unsung hero of last season. They're a pretty solid running team, not always, but but they were pretty solid on the ground. And in a lot of their big games when they needed it, 
they were able to come up with the big run play. And, and some of that was the Caleb Williams scrambling, but a lot of that was just saying, hey, we need the yards. We're going to pick this up now. Um, I think especially in their game against UCLA, there were some big moments where they picked up the yardage on the ground and found a way forward that way. So with the new offensive linemen, again, the turnover running back, I think Marshawn Lloyd's going to be amazing. Honestly, I think he's going to do really, really well. But the turnover on the offensive line is still going to be tough. Late in the season, that should be figured out. But sometimes we see it happen to where it just never quite clicks, right? And they never quite get to that point that they need to be. Any step back could be a problem for them. But again, this is me trying to nitpick here. Still not 100% sold on the defense. I think the defense for me, and, and I don't know, jump in if I'm totally wrong on this one. But for me, the defense is really just a cautiously optimistic like, I think that they picked up the pieces. You know, I think, okay, Bear Alexander. Okay, yeah. you got you got a lot of got Mason Cobb from Oklahoma State, you know, best linebacker, I think, from the portal. There were a lot of guys that they added that I think should play better, but we're just going to kind of have to wait and see how they pick up the scheme, kind of wait and see how they actually all play together, and wait and see if there's any weak points on that defense that other offenses can keep, you know, kind of attacking and addressing. If they can figure out the defensive side, yeah, I'll put my hands up. They might run the table. <laughs> the the only question I have on the defensive side of the ball is what does the secondary actually do? They they were very right. very inconsistent. Uh, had a had a hard time getting off the field sometimes on third downs. 109th in uh, in third down uh, conversions allowed at 42.9 percent. They also weren't elite in the red zone, but their sacks and tackles for losses are going to should should take a step forward this they year. Should, you mentioned yeah. Bear Alexander coming over from Georgia. Jack Sullivan comes over from Purdue. Keon Bars comes over from Arizona. So that defensive line is is maybe the best in the Pac-12. Kind of right up there with with Washington, I think, for the best defensive line. The linebackers you talked about, Mason Cobb transfers over from uh, Oklahoma State. He was the most sought-after linebacker early on in the portal. I think Omar Spates, who leaves Oregon State to go to LSU, was probably right there with him. Um, and, and then they also have Shane Lee, who returned 78 tackles a season ago for the Trojans. So the front seven, Garrett, to me, is really locked. It's The question is, what does that secondary do? I, I think if that secondary can be decent, to me, the absolute floor, the the absolute floor is nine and three, and that's if you have injuries. That's if you have a lot go wrong. The, the schedule is tough. Three big home games: Utah, Washington, UCLA. They all play them at home. On the road, they take on Notre Dame and Oregon. And and I'm with you. I have them going eleven and one. The only loss that I have them sustaining during the regular season is to Oregon that November 11th weekend. Mm-hmm. That's right after you play Washington. That's right before you play UCLA. It's not a trap game because I don't think USC is going to fall asleep at the wheel playing Oregon on the road. <laughs> but that is a very, very tough three-game stretch. You're likely playing Washington for a spot in the Pac-12 championship game. You're doing the exact same against Oregon. And then you're taken on your you know supposedly your most hated rival in, in ucla so i think the trojan stock absolutely is up i do believe that they can win the pac-12 championship this year go into the college football playoff with a 12 and 1 record and then you know we'll see who they get matched up against we've got an episode about the playoffs coming down the down the pipe but usc without a doubt uh, i think should be the favorite here 
Now, the dark horse, Garrett, as we transition, to me is Washington. We'll talk about Oregon in just a minute. We'll talk about Utah in just a second as well. But Washington has a storm brewing right now around the Huskies. They go 11-2 and two last season, 7-2 and two in conference play. They had a seven-game winning streak to end last season, which uh, uh, 10 wins in the regular season plus the bowl win over Texas. That's the third-best record in program history in they were led by a first-year head coach in Kalen DeBoer. Kalen had a tremendous run at Fresno State. I think a lot of people weren't really sure what they were getting with Kalen DeBoer. But we said on this podcast, hey, stock up for Washington. Last year, we were saying DeBoer is a quality head coach. He's going to come in. He's going to revolutionize the recruiting. They were having a hard time keeping in-state kids, North Pacific Northwest kids home. They've started doing a better job of that. And then he brings over Michael Penix Jr., who had one of the best seasons a collegiate quarterback has ever had. The team's strength, without a doubt, is going to be the quarterback-to-wide receiver connection. We'll talk about those players in just a second. I think if there's a weakness here, there's been a common theme throughout a lot of these previews. We have a lot of questions about the secondary, right? And I think secondary is one of those positions in the portal that – Guys swap around, right? Guys move schools very, very quickly. You lose a starting job. You're not cornerback one. You're not cornerback two. Maybe you're the nickel. You, you don't want to play inside. You want to play outside. Well, time to hit the portal. Time to go find a new spot. I think the question with Washington is last year they really struggled against the pass, 100th in the country in total pass defense. Their pass rating uh, defense quarterback rating that they gave up was 111th in the country. So, they just were not very good in third down situations when they needed to eliminate the quarterback being able to pick up that first down. If they can fix all of that, though, I think they're a dark horse playoff contender. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, I think they're going to be really, really good. Um, I think that you can definitely make the case for Washington being a dark horse for the playoff. I know that's kind of the the sexy pick right now in the meet. I think them and Penn state are probably the two that most people are like, Ooh, look out. They're about to make it. maybe Florida state too. But um, I, I think when you look at what they had last year and I want to want to pull their last year results up as well. Um, two things that I want to note uh, that I don't see on their schedule from last year is I don't see Utah and I don't see USC. Yep. Um, and those are going to be my kind of my, I want to push uh, USC is November. Wait, are you? Oh, you're talking last year. Sorry. From last year. From last year's yes, results. Yes, yeah. Yes. From last year's results, I don't see the two teams that were in that Pac 12 championship game. I'm really curious how last year would have gone if they had played those two teams. Um, maybe they end up beating them. I know that, you know, there were some problems for both of those teams last year, um, especially with consistency. But there were some close results last year if you look at some of this, right? Beating Oregon by three beating Oregon State by three. You beat Cal by one score, seven points, um, you know, 10-point win over Arizona. So I'm not necessarily saying that this is fool's gold, but it's a little bit close on the margins, if you ask me. I think a little bit close uh, on where they were. Now, are they going to be better this year? I do think so. I do think they're going to be better this year. I think one more year of experience, one more year of feeling like can. And if you look at the schedule, it really sets up nice. They kind of don't have to try for the first five games, and they get a bye week right before Oregon. Yeah, um, and I think that's going to be a big advantage to them being able to kind of let the offense settle in, figure out their identity, what they want to be as a team. 
man, I, I don't know. USC and Utah back-to-back into the season. I, I do think they probably lose both of those games. I have them at 10-2 and two this year, which is a great season. It's a fantastic season for them. Um, I, I just don't know that they win both of those with Oregon State afterwards. Um, and, you know, they obviously have Oregon a little bit earlier in the season. I, I don't look at all those games and say – I can't honestly say that they're going to run the table in those. Mm-hmm. I can't even really make the case that they only lose one. So right now I have them at 10 and two um, and barely missing out on the Pac-12 championship game. I still think that makes for a great season. I still think that they could probably, you know, be that kind of off team in a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, Just kind of depends on how everything across the country pans out, obviously. But I I do think that they could make a a New Year's Six Bowl and end up in a really good bowl spot. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that they're going to be really good. I think my big concern for them, again, you kind of were talking about it. Secondary, I think is going to be my issue. Yeah. Um, looking back at the stats page, let me go back over there real quick. Looking back at the stats page, a lot of issues, especially when it came, you know, there, there are some good defensive categories, but again, hundredth passing defense, 111th in passer rating, giving up. And then if you're looking at some of the more crucial stats, the third down percent, 118th. Um, that's not going to get it done. Maybe some of that improves. I don't necessarily know why I would believe that that improves. I don't want to come off as a Washington hater. I think they're going to be a really good team. I just think them, like several in this conference, have a brutal schedule. All the top teams play each other. Right, no more divisions this year, right? right, No more north-south, exactly. They're not going to be missing a USC-Utah, right? They're not going to be missing those teams just by virtue of what their schedule looks like. So I think just because of that, there's going to be a little bit of cannibalization. I think Washington would be in my 1B in terms of where I have teams right now. Uh, and and so I think for that reason, 10-2, and two, um, give them a bowl game win, give them 11-2, and two, and I think that's still a really good season for Washington. I think the reason to believe that the defense can improve is, is twofold. One, you get Jabbar Muhammad, who transfers over from Oklahoma State. He is an elite cover corner. I'm curious to see who steps up next to him. Uh, in the back end, but uh, Muhammad is certainly going to help elevate that level sure. of play on the defensive. Really, the the front six since they play a four two five, that is is going to be one of the best units not only in the Pac twelve but in the country. I think Braylon Trice, Zion Tupelo Fatui, two of the best edge rushers in the country. Trice has sixty seven pressures last year, nine sacks. Um, and then their linebackers are, are going to be one of the best units as well. So I think the the pieces are in place for this to be a tremendous defense if the corners can hold up on their back end, if they can get off the field more on third down. And, you know, listen, secondary isn't just on the, the cover corners. It's also on the pass rush to eliminate the time that a quarterback like Bo Nix or Caleb Williams has to dance around in the pocket and throw. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely stock up on, on the defense, the offense. I mean, Romeo Dunes, a, uh, 1100 yards last year on 75 yeah. catches, Jalen McMillan, 79 catches, nine touchdowns. You get Dylan Johnson to transfer in at the running back spot, uh, from Mississippi state. And then the offensive line, they may take a slight step back this year because you're replacing the interior of that offensive line. You're going to have to have three new starters there, but tackles are still there. Tackles last year were first in the Pac-12 in protecting against tackles for loss, and the team only gave up seven sacks all season long. So I'm really encouraged by the 
togetherness that this whole roster seems to have. I like Washington to take a, a step forward. I, I don't know that it's like a decent step because they were a really good team last year, but I wouldn't be shocked if they're able to get one of those two games, Oregon, USC, uh, you know, beat Utah and then go 11 and one. Now that being said, very similar to USC. I think if, if things go wrong, I think nine and three is kind of the floor. I, I don't, right. I don't see them losing, uh, more than three games. I think if you look at, I think if you look at the schedule, it would be USC, Utah and Oregon that beat them. Oregon state Wazoo will certainly have something to say about that as well, but Washington should be a very, very solid team. Let's move on over to the Oregon ducks. Uh, Bo Nix had a Heisman level campaign last year, and I don't believe that he's a fluke. Uh, That was one question that we've gotten this off season. Do we believe that Bo Nix can, keep it going this year. And I absolutely think that he can. It seems like uh, Dan Lanning has a lot of momentum as well. He got a nice little extension this off season. And so for the Oregon ducks, 10 and three a season ago, they obviously get blown out against Georgia in the opener. And that called into question their toughness, Bo Nick's ability to uh, deliver the football accurately, deliver it under pressure. And he answered those questions down the stretch, beating Arizona, beating UCLA, uh, they did lose to Washington, an absolute classic of a game, but then they knock off Utah, 20-17. to 17. If they don't lose in the Platypus Cup or whatever they're calling it this year, Oregon has a real chance at being in the Pac-12 championship game, right, and, and contending for a New Year's Six Bowl game. Instead, they play a classic against North Carolina in the Holiday Bowl, and they finish 10-3. and three. For, for me... The passing attack is going to be the the drum that beats all year for Oregon. If there's a weakness, it's once again the offensive line. They need the interior to to step up and replace a couple of starters. Now, maybe Junior Andalou from Texas helps them do that. Uh, But this was the sixth best offense overall last season. First in sacks allowed as well. So they protected Bo Nix. They let him throw the ball down the field to whoever he could find. This year's wide receiver core is going to look like Troy Franklin. Tez Johnson comes in from Troy. Gary Bryant Jr. comes over from USC. And then there's Treshawn Holden coming over from Alabama. He's a little bit of a wild card, but it's a very, very talented unit. Not to mention they can run the ball. Bucky Irving, Noah Whittington, almost 2,000 yards combined last season. The offense should be as electric as ever. On the defense, it's kind of transfer you. For the Ducks, uh, you have Kyrie Jackson who comes over from Alabama, Nico Reed who comes over from Colorado at cornerback. At safety, you have Toshim Johnson from Ole Miss, Evan Williams from Fresno State. Could be if they play up to the level that they have in in seasons past, could be the best safety duo in the Pac-12. Uh, at linebacker, you've got Justin Jacobs from Iowa. You've got Connor Soule from Arizona State, and then oh by the way, Jordan Birch, a former five-star transfers over from South Carolina on the edge. So a lot of moving pieces, a lot of moving parts. Oregon, and we can talk about them in context of their schedule, it's a comfy start over the first five weeks, but then the back half of the schedule is really, really tough. With all those transfers, are you worried that Oregon maybe stumbles late in the season? Uh, I definitely think there's a possibility that that happens. I think the middle of their schedule is more where I'm nervous um, I, I think there's some tougher games right there. I think at Washington, at Utah, those are the two that I have them losing. Again, we talked about it off the top. I do think they can beat USC at home, 
But I do think, yeah, that at Washington, at Utah, those are two really tough games, meat of the schedule. I know that you're coming off a of bye week when you're doing Washington. I think Washington, we just said, has the same situation. They so do. it's, it's, you know, both teams coming off it on the road. You know, Washington got them last year. I'm kind of inclined to think they'll do it again. Uh, but I do have the Oregon Ducks going 10 and 2 this year, um, barely going over on their win total. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that. Uh, I said it last year. I think this was the first episode that we ever recorded. I think Dan Lanning is a really, really good coach. And I think he's going to have some really good success in his second year, especially when you consider the fact that he's a defensive-minded head coach. And I think that they're going to play a lot better on defense and and kind of take some steps in that way. Um, again, kind of just looking at some of their stats. Let me pull those real quick. Some of their stats from last year, if you look on the defensive side, not always terrible, but some really bad uh, thing, especially in the situational things, the the third down percentage, 123rd, the sacks, 123rd, uh, better in the red zone, 20 seconds. So that was that was better, but a lot of places where they can improve, and, and that seems if it's a situational thing, it seems to be more of a scheme thing. Um, and I could be wrong about that; it could just be you know bad luck or, or just bad pieces or, or whatever. But it seems to me that a little bit more time with scheme should help those stats improve, should help those numbers. Uh, improve a little bit. I think that Bo Nix is going to have a, an amazing sort of last year uh, doing this and kind of riding off a little bit with his revived career up in Oregon. Um, but but yeah, I think it's just it's a tough schedule. It, it's almost the same thing I was saying for Washington. When you look at the schedule, I just can't justify that they're going to win all of those tough games. I can't justify saying they're going to win all of them. I think that they win a few of them. I think that they beat USC. I think that they will win that last game of the season against Oregon State. But, yeah, I can't say that they're going to beat Washington and Utah on the road. Um, and, you know, a tricky Washington State game between the two of them doesn't let them really, you know, put their hands down and, and take a rest. So uh, I think 10-2 and two is what you're looking at for the Ducks. But kind of like what we've been saying with a lot of this, this is a 1B team. So I could see a real path. For Oregon, catching fire, Bo Nix's experience. Sure. You know, if you look at their losses last year, they lost by, I mean, ignore Georgia for a second. That was, <laughs> that's a different <laughs> thing. But their losses are by what? A combined seven points at the end of last season. So in conference, you find seven more points and, and or eight more points and you can go out and be undefeated in your conference. I like the way that that looks. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think that, just being a little optimistic for the Ducks for a second. You don't need that much more improvement to take that step. Yeah, it's just, it's a Pac-12 thing. This is what the Pac-12 does, right? It, it's just the 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 name of the Pac-12 game is nobody can have nice things. Nobody can just be that number one team by a long shot. Yeah. And when you think that you have it all figured out, that's when you lose that random game to Arizona State. And, you know, it could be on the table again for Oregon where they're just cruising and rocking and rolling and maybe they get by a couple of teams. And then, yeah, it's just going to be Arizona State at the end of the season uh-huh. you know, sleeping right after USC. And they're going to they're going to drop a stupid game on a last second field goal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Well, and, and as we get down, I mean, gosh, we got Oregon State, UCLA to talk about. Washington State's going to be fun. We've talked about Colorado. I think the Arizona schools are potential landmines waiting to happen. I don't think yeah. that much of Cal or Stanford, um, and, and that'll be kind of reflected in in the standings. Right. But even, even Arizona and Arizona State, who I have really struggling to get to bowl games, I think it's honestly going to be a, a product of the schedule not a product of, hey, this team sucks, they're only a four-win team. It's like, I think you're a decent team. I think you're on on the road to being bowl eligible, but like you're a half team right now, right? And in that offense, in any given situation, like Arizona State did last year, like Arizona has done in the past, you pick a random week where they put up 55, and you can knock off a UCLA. You can knock off an Oregon. But then the the majority of the time, your defense is going to give up 40 to 45, right? Yep. And, and that's how you're going to end up losing games. So we'll get there. I But it is very hard as we continue down this schedule. It's very hard to predict where these teams end up because yep. it feels like there's a landmine waiting basically on a week-to-week basis. What I will say is of all the teams that I, I don't have in the championship game, right, because – you got your championship game teams and you got the other ones that are just really, really good. I think I believe in Oregon the most to take that step and make it to the championship game just because I think I trust Dan Lanning as a coach. And I think that I trust Bo Nix. And I never would have thought I would have said this at the beginning yeah. of last season, but I think I trust Bo Nix at this point in his career to just not make the mistakes, to just play the mature game of football, let the game come to him and not try to force something. I could be totally wrong about that. Again, right? Like, we could see old Bo Nix come right back and we all look stupid. But I just don't think that that's going to happen at this stage of his career. I think if there's going to be a team that jumps up out of nowhere to take that step, I think it's Oregon. Yeah, I think that's that's very fair. Uh, the Ducks should be a lot of fun to watch this season. Okay. Garrett, let's move to your main event. You've got it in your, your byline. Let's talk about the Utah Utes. 10-4 uh, and four a season ago. They went eight and two in conference. Pac-12 champs for the second season in a row. You look at ten and four, and you you wouldn't immediately assume, hey, yeah, they beat USC twice, uh, and, and they beat Oregon, and they you know definitely they definitely tripped up against UCLA, but then they turned around and beat USC. Like their season was so so bizarre, and it got off to a weird start, losing that game 29-26 in the swamp, a game that. You and I did not give Florida any chance in. No. And, and then the Gators, you know, snatched playoff eligibility basically from the Utes in week one. Yeah. Now Utah gets a shot at Florida this year in Salt Lake City. Questions about if Cam Rising is going to be healthy as he continues to rehab from the torn ACL. You talk to folks in the Utah camp, they say, yeah, he should be ready to go. You talk to more of the national scene, and there's more skepticism, right? Uh, if you talk to Cam Rising on Twitter, he says he's fine. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. So, you know, this is a veteran we'll team. See. This is a veteran coaching staff. Kyle Winningham's in his 19th season. Andy Ludwig has been running the offense now for nearly a decade. Morgan Scaly has been there for almost as long as well. The over-under, per my bookie, is eight and a half. And I think that's a great place to kind of start this discussion because when I look at this roster, Garrett, I think that their defensive line is going to be really good. I think their offense throwing to Keithy should be really good. Jaquin and Jackson should get his on the ground. 
But I've got the team weakness as health here at the beginning of the season. And I wonder if they're not fully healthy. Where on this schedule do they start to get the momentum that carries them to a 10-win season? That's kind of what I'm concerned about heading into this year. I, I really do like, like the team, but Florida off the top, UCLA, Oregon State before the bye, at USC, Oregon. You've got Arizona State that's mixed in there, at Washington. And then, oh, by the way, you got to play Colorado to finish the season. There's, there's not really a stretch where I go, okay, this is where Utah makes their run. Yeah, let me strap on my helmet for this one because we're going to have to do a little bit of uh, exploring to figure out how to do this. But um, uh, if you're asking about where in the schedule do they get ramped up, I think it's just their first couple games. Look, Florida at the Swamp, that was a disaster. But you also have to remember they were a bad decision, right, just a late throw away from actually winning that one and escaping. Um, I, I think if they had decided to run the ball maybe one more time on the goal line instead of just trying to run some weird spread concept and a, a little sit-down route, yes, I know it was to your tight end. I understand that. Kincaid's amazing, whatever. But there are three guys on him, and it was a weird zone, and you should have never thrown that ball. But that aside, you're playing Florida at home. You go to Baylor. We've talked about Baylor on a previous one. Go find our Baylor preview. They're probably not going to be amazing. I think that they can win that game. Weber State, awesome campus. I've actually stayed on their campus uh, for previous trips. Um, Not a very good football program. (laughs) Um, And so I think that you can use the first couple of weeks to really kind of ramp up your season and and get things rolling. Look, I, I, I will continue to bang this drum. I think Cam Rising is possibly the most disrespected quarterback in the nation. I think when you just talk about guys who don't get nearly enough love for what they do, Cam Rising has to be up there. If you're looking at the stats, I want to pull these up real quick. Looking at the stats, yeah, the passing offense didn't look too good 50th in in the nation. Passer rating, though, 29th at 148. And you really look at what they're able to do in the scoring category. They're able to score 38.6 points per game. That ranked 11th last year. It's not going to necessarily be a high-flying, you know, guns blazing type of offense. But to, to disrespect Cam Rising as a good quarterback, to, to call him a bus driver as if they don't score points and they're just a, a rough-and-tumble team that puts up whatever they need to so their good defense can step up, that's just not how this Utah offense works. This is a good offense. Uh, I think that Jaquinton Jackson is going to be the breakout candidate of this season. I think at the end of the year, people will be talking about him as a top running back across the country. Um, and I don't think that it'll be too much debate on that one. Dude's a stud. We, we've both watched him pretty up close and what he can do just physically. He, he's an athletic freak. Um, and, and I think that he's going to be a massive factor on this Utah team this year. Uh, you're right about the tight end. Um, he, yes, replacing Kincaid is going to be tough, but they're going to be just fine. I think that this is a top tier team. I have them going 11 and one. I have them making it back to the Pac-12 championship and go ahead and doubt it. But they're one of two teams in the last couple of years to be back to back conference champions in the power five. Not Georgia either, right? Because Bama won a couple of years ago, but them in Michigan, currently people just say, oh no, it's the other sexy pick. It's the Ohio State or USC, whatever else. These are still the two-time reigning conference champions at the moment. I'm still going to bang that drum for Utah. They're 
going for the first three-peat, I think, in the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's enough motivation to get them up and get them ready to go. I don't necessarily think they're going to do that. I think right now I'd pick USC in a tight one in the Pac-12 championship game. I do have them losing at USC. I think, obviously, the the magic of last season is going to run out in terms of their regular season matchup with USC. I do think I have them losing to USC tight um, and and barely making it out. But I, I don't think that there's another team on the schedule who really scares me if I'm Utah. Right? You beat most of these teams. You lost to Oregon by three last season. UCLA, I think, is going to take a pretty big step back from where they were last season. And, and I think that you're just going to be a better team. And I know that Trey's probably somewhere saying, oh, yeah, but Kyle Whittingham, he always does this. He's going to lose a stupid game. They're going to lose at Oregon State. I'm they sure do always Trey's lose a stupid game. That is true. But Trey's not on the pod today, so he can't tell me anything. Um, so <laughs> I, I just I believe in Utah. I'm going to keep believing in Utah. Those are my guys. I'm going to get a, a Utah home field shirt over here for the rack pretty soon. Um, and we're going to keep rocking and rolling with them. So I'm going to go for the three-peat. Uh, may, maybe not, but I will take them to the Pac-12 championship game. 11-1 and one, uh, for the Utes. And, yes, I'm definitely a Utah homer right down here. You, you can go ahead and read that and feel free to complain in the comments. I'm going to keep rocking with the Utes. The thing that I'm really concerned about for Utah is they're replacing Clark Phillips III uh, mm-hmm. at the cornerback position right now. And they get elite Ryan, corner. Yes, and who's already turning heads in Atlanta Falcons camp. Miles um, mm-hmm. Battle transfers in from Ole Miss. He brings 45 starts in the SEC to Salt Lake City. So they get you know a veteran replacement and a very good one. Um, they don't have cornerback two or the nickel spot locked down as of yet. Clayton Isbell hit the portal like a day before spring spring yeah. ball. So they don't have a free safety, a starting free safety right now, um, but they do have Cole Bishop at the strong side uh, safety spot. The defensive line is going to be very good. So again, common theme, question marks around the, the secondary. And in a conference where every team is going to throw the ball, it, it's like, it's like playing Russian roulette, picking sure. some of these games, right? Versus UCLA at Oregon State on a Friday night up in Corvallis. That's, That's gonna tough. Be weird. That's tough. Right before the bye week. Um, yeah, and then you you talked about it. USC uh, at USC versus Oregon. You get or- uh, Arizona State and then Washington, Arizona, and Colorado to finish it out. I I certainly don't think that Utah goes eleven and one, but to say that. I, I think they can get to the Pac-12 championship again, game again because of the, the random weird losses that you could have these teams run up against, yeah. right? So the Utes are going to be very, very well, strong and- this year. And, uh, you know, Pac-12 is is not top-heavy, but they've got some legit con- championship contenders at the top. Right. My, my big point for Utah is until they stop being who they are, they should be at the top for a while, right? That Who they are is just a slightly different type of offense, right? It's an offense that these teams don't prepare for on a week-to-week basis, right? Like if you're USC and you're going up to Oregon, you're going up to Washington, it's a similar style of offense, right? You're going to spread it out. You're going to throw it around. You're going to have to hit guys at the barrier. You're going to have to try to guard the edges and and look out for the stuff over the top. And and to line up against Utah and to see them come out and put a guy under center – and, you know, hit a play action to the tight end and everything. Like, it's a different style of offense that people aren't used to seeing. 
until they stop doing that, I think they're going to keep stealing games every now and then and, and making this thing really fun. So in the same way that when I was looking at USC, I said, I can't justify them winning all of those games. I'm also going to look at Utah and say, they're not going to win all those games, but I can't justify them losing all those games either. So uh, I'm going to keep rolling with the Utes. It's just a different type of team. Um, and one of these days it'll bite me, but it's not going to be this year. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Garrett will continue to beat the Utah drum all season long. <laughs> a team that I may beat the drum for is uh, is Oregon State, and we'll get there to them next. The Beavers went 10-3 and last year. It was the first time since 2006 that they'd won double-digit games. They were 6-3 and in conference. Uh, listen, Jonathan Smith has done a great job up there. Uh, former player who came back to Corvallis, he got their first four-star recruit. Um, since 2018, which was a big deal. And he and Brian Lindgren have got this offense moving in the right direction. Now they have a new quarterback in DJ Uyunglele. A lot of questions around him. We'll talk about that in a minute. Trent Bray helped take the defense from dead last in 2018 to first in total defense in the Pac-12 last season. Defense was a big reason why Oregon State Kept it close against USC. Now, they got blown out by Utah. I'll give you that. But then impressive wins over Oregon. Impressive win over Florida in the bowl game where, you know, Florida was just an absolute dumpster fire. Oregon came in and and gave them the people's elbow, right? Uh, (laughs) The team's strength for this team, earlier we talked about a team that's going to run, or teams in the Pac-12 that are going to run the ball really well. Oregon State is going to be one of those teams. Yes. Damian Martinez, the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year from last season, he had six straight games of over 100 yards on the ground, and he averaged 6.1 a tote. Uh, it's pretty good, according to the numbers. Uh, and then you also have you know, a decent offensive line. They returned four or five starters. So DJU, he's not a, he's not a quarterback that's going to spread it out on a play-in, play-out basis. They're going to need balance. They're going to need the tight ends that they have in Jermaine Terry II from Cal, Jake Overman. They're going to need them to be productive this year and set up a running game, which I think should be the staple of this Oregon State attack. Yeah, it's going to be a good running team. I think really my only cause for pause here is going to be DJU, right? It's it's the fact that Man, he just has had so much up and down at Clemson. I don't necessarily know that the defense is going to be easier to play against in the Pac-12. And that would be kind of what you're hoping for is, oh, I'm going out to the Pac-12. Maybe defense is a little lighter. Maybe the competition is a little lower, so I'll pass better. I don't know that that's necessarily true. Uh, I I don't know that you can count on that if you're, you know, really trying to beat the Oregon State drum. But I will say I think they're going to be a pretty good team. I think they're – going to push a lot of teams. I think that they're kind of the next step down in terms of teams. I don't think that they're on the same level as Oregon, as Washington, as Utah and USC. I don't think that they're up there in that first tier, either 1A or 1B, but I think they're solidly in the second tier of these teams, and I'd put them at the top of that tier uh, by a pretty good margin. I, I think really my, my big concern is going to be you know, obviously they run the football really well. Can they keep the balance with DJU? I really just got to see it happen before I can believe in it. There's reasons to think that's fine, but you also have to think with DJU, he's been playing with some pretty elite talent at Clemson. They don't necessarily have the same guys. They have some good receivers. I'm not going to try to say they don't have anybody out there, that it's a barren wasteland in the receiver room, but it's not going to be the same level as Clemson has been recruiting. Um, and 
I don't know, man. I just I think this is kind of where the the breaking point is here is just what can DJU do? If you're asking me, can he be good enough to just let the defense, you know, keep it on us so they can run the football effectively? I could say, yeah, he could probably do that. If you're asking me for a true balanced offense, I don't know that he can give you that. He's better than what they've had, but I, I just don't know that he's going to be enough to overcome some really good quarterback play in the Pac-12 this year. If you look at their schedule, I think right now I have them losing to Utah, and then I have them losing the last two to Washington and Oregon. Um, but I do have them nine going 9-3. And and and, and yeah, that's a, that's a workable That's a great schedule. season. That is a workable schedule. Again, another shot at a 10-win season with a yeah. bowl game win. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Utah, Washington, and Oregon are head and shoulders, the toughest games on this schedule. They avoid USC. Which is um, you know, the, the, they avoid Arizona State for whatever that's worth. Uh, Utah on the Friday night at home, that's going to be a fun game. And then they get a bye week before or after UCLA and before their stretch run. I think they could build up a ton of momentum, compete with a Washington, compete with an Oregon. Uh, and I think this should be a very strong season for the Beavers. The wild card, of course, DJU. They're schedule works out really nicely because the majority of their like away games are easy right they don't have to go like to utah or to what they do go to oregon into the year but that's an in-state rivalry so you can make it that what it is um but if you look at their away schedule at washington state that can be tough but at cal at arizona at colorado that is very manageable in terms of away schedule and also at San Jose state, but that's out of conference, very manageable away schedule, I think helps them in conference being able to get a lot of those tougher games at home, I think is a good thing. I think you'd much rather play UCLA at home, Utah at home, you know, Washington at home. So getting a lot of those games at home, I think will be good for them. I think that they can really, they, they can really start, you know, if you look at their start, I think it's an easier start. So I think that they can kind of, you know, outside of that Utah game, really build some momentum. Um, and, and you know, hopefully, you know, if you're an Oregon State fan, you're, you're hoping that they can, you know, make that next step and, and keep building on what they had last year. Getting UCLA at home right before the bye, I think, is critical. Yeah. And I think that sets the stage for our next team, which is the UCLA Bruins. The Bruins went nine and four last year, six and three in conference play. They had a six and zero oh start and then kind of fell apart down the stretch. Right, they lose to Oregon. I think that was expected. Uh, they you know blow away Stanford, a high scoring game against Arizona State, but then they lose back to back games to Arizona and to USC. Both of them one score games. They come out on the losing end. They beat Cal by just one score and then lose to Pitt. And it was kind of a mixed bag of results at the end of the season where UCLA 6-0 and were feeling good. The offense is back on track. I think all good signs there, but uh, the defense certainly let them down late. And if you pull up those stats from uh, 2022, the defense uh, really struggled to get off the field on third down. That was one of the biggest issues that the Bruins had last year. Um Pass defense was was dreadful. The third down percentage, when not egregious when you look at it in the stats, but when they absolutely needed to, they really struggled. And then if you got in the red zone, you were you were scoring against them. Um, Chip Kelly got a lot of people back on his side though last season, right? There were some some rumors, some rumblings that 
They were starting to get a little tired of him. That quickly went away after a 6-0 start. Um, without a doubt, though, I think this team's strength as they lose Dorian Thompson-Robinson, we'll talk about the offense in a second, is going to be the linebackers and the edge rushers this season. I think they're going to be able to improve their sacks, their tackles for losses, which were not strengths of the team last year. And I think they're going to be able to hold more teams scoreless once they get into the red zone. Now, the question is, can the offense improve or at least hold serve right along with the defense? They were fourth in the country last season in total offense, eighth in scoring. And oh, by the way, they led the Pac-12 in rushing behind Zach Charbonnet, who is Trey's boy. Um, yeah. You know, he, he's going to have to relive those memories through YouTube now. But you start <laughs> at the quarterback position, Garrett, and there's not a set starter, right? They lose DTR. You've got Colin Schley, who comes over from Kent State. You've got Ethan Garbers, who's been there. And then true freshman superstar Dante Moore from Detroit. A lot of questions over who's going to win that job. You talk to some people, they say that Dante Moore should be the guy as the superstar freshman. Colin Schley has not ever been amazing, but he knows how to run a fast-tempo offense coming over from Kent State, right? Carson Steele, I think, is going to steal the show, no pun intended. The uh, tremendous running back coming over from Ball State. He had 1,556 yards, 15 touchdowns as a Cardinal last season. He's out west to run the, uh, the, the running attack for the Bruins. Another issue that UCLA might have, they don't really have a ton of consistency out wide. They have Cam Brown, uh, shout out Colleyville, from, uh, as, as a deep threat. But other than that, there's not a lot of proven success uh, out wide. The offensive line is very deep, so they should be able to run the ball. Whichever quarterback they go with should be able to stay upright. The defense, uh, I mentioned, should take a step forward. I like the front six, the front seven. The secondaries, again, one of the question marks that I have, but Darius Musau, uh, six, or, I'm sorry, 361 career tackles between Hawaii and UCLA. He's one of the big leaders. Um, and then they get Laitu Laitu coming back from injury. A Washington transfer who nearly had to retire due, due to a neck injury. He's back at linebacker this year. Also kind of plays in this, uh, the hybrid role. And then you've got Jordan Anderson, a Bowling Green transfer, uh, solidified at one of the safety spots, 180 career tackles and five interceptions. So all that to say, a lot of talent on this UCLA team. But when you look at the schedule... I've got them in kind of that that next tier of Pac-12 teams as well. I see kind of a 9-3 schedule. Where do you have the Bruins netting out? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I think our tiers are just about the same. It's sort of the order within the tier. I've got 9-3 and three for UCLA as well. Um, I think the, the issue that you're going to see with UCLA being able to kind of get to where I think a lot of their fans would like to see them take the next step is – you're, you're turning over so much of your offensive production, right? So much of that offense was predicated on the fact that DTR and Zach Charbonnet were just elite playmakers, respectively, at their positions. They, they could both run extremely well. Uh, DTR is a, a prolific passer as well. So it, it's, it's going to be almost impossible to replace that, right? It, and we've said this for several teams throughout our previews, is when you lose a player like that, you don't just have another one walk straight through the door. I think you have to say the same thing about UCLA. Um, and, and, and again, it's, you know, the schedule doesn't necessarily help them. It's at Utah. It's at USC. 
Um, you've got at Oregon State as well. And, and so I think you have to look at those games and say, you know, a lot of games on the road, um, a lot of games that are, are going to be a little bit tougher. You know, I think obviously, what is it missing? Is it missing Oregon? Is what they, do is. Miss, they do miss Oregon this year. Yeah. And then it looks like they, they do miss, um, yeah, they miss Washington as well. So that's, that's going to help them. But uh, I think even with those games, I think you still have to put them in the hole when you look at their top three games being Utah, USC, and Oregon State all on the road. I think that that's going to be tough for, for any team to try to overcome. And I don't think that UCLA comes out on the positive side of that. All right, so our last four teams here in the Pac-12 preview here for the 2023 season. Let's start with Arizona. Last year they went five and seven, uh, three and six in conference, which doesn't sound great until you realize that Jed Fish had improved Arizona to the fact where the previous three seasons they had five wins. 2022 they come in, they shock the world, they win five games. Um, you know, they they beat a Colorado team that was really bad, granted. But then they beat UCLA late in the season. They win the Wildcat or the, the uh, Territory Cup. Is that what it's called? Territory Cup against Arizona State? Um, and I'm really, I'm really high on what Arizona can potentially do this year on offense. But we talked about half teams off the top. And Arizona might be one of the biggest half teams in, in the Pac-12. Their offense is going to be pretty solid, I think. Jaden Delora, quarterback, really athletic gun, gunslinger who actually transferred from Washington State, who, Garrett, I'm, I'm being told, I accidentally skipped an order. We'll circle back to Wazoo as soon as Arizona's done. Uh, Jacob Cowing, wide receiver who transferred over from UTEP. He had a 1,000-yard season last year. They have Tetro McMillan, who was a five-star freshman, decommitted from Oregon. Uh, ended up going down to the desert to play for the Wildcats. And then they had nearly 1,200 yards between their running backs as well. The defense was abysmal last year. And this is where if they're going to reach a bowl game, they have to improve. They gave up 422 yards of offense per game. They gave up 36 and a half points per game as well. And in my notes, I wrote, and they still won five games. Um, the defense is quite literally a hodgepodge of transfers. They've kind of graduated like all of the returners over the last that, that were pre Jed fish, either they've graduated them or they transferred out. And I kind of think it's addition by subtraction in this sense, the passing attack should be the strength. I wrote the, the defense is really the team's weakness. Like every level of that defense, you lose kind Barnes uh, bars to USC. I just don't know if there are any real game changers um, Justin Flo transfers in from Oregon. He's a linebacker. They've got Jacob Manu, who was a team leader in uh, uh, tackles last year. He's at linebacker. Bill Norton transfers in from Georgia to play along the defensive line. Other than that, though, I can't really tell you what this Arizona defense is going to do, and I think that's going to hold them back in their schedule. Uh, I can tell you what they're going to do. They're going to give up a whole bunch of points because <laughs> it's just the conference they play in, right? It's the fact that this is an elite scoring conference, they do a really good job at, at, you know, overall, everyone passes the ball well. Overall, everyone is, is pretty elite on offense. And so, yeah, if you don't have a whole lot on that back end and if you can't do a lot to defend things, you're going to have issues. And looking at the schedule, I think this also kind of bears out. Uh, I, I currently have them at 3-9. and nine. Um, it, It's a little brutal for the for the Wildcats this year. But, I mean, look at their their 
out of conference real quick. Northern Arizona should be a win. Mississippi State should be a loss on the road. You don't just walk into Starkville and win. Um, UTEP, I think, should be a win for Arizona. Stanford, you should probably still win that game. And then it falls off a cliff and you probably have a long string of losses. Yeah. Um, and and it, it, it's just tough. And a lot of those games on the road, um, I don't know how much you can really, you know, soothe yourself with your home games when those home games are Utah and Oregon State and, and some of these teams who I think that we're going to expect to be a lot better. Um, look, the passing attack is great. I think that at some point it has to come back to the mean. Like you were saying, they've still won five games despite the poor defensive numbers. And when you really look at the defensive numbers, I mean, we can pull these up real quick. These defensive numbers are just atrocious. Um, And and I think that at some point something has to come back. And I think if you're asking me, is it more likely that the offense pulls them ahead again, or is it more likely that the defense is going to hold them back again? I think it's more likely the defense holds them back again. Um, When you bring in that many new pieces, no matter who you are, you're going to have issues implementing scheme. You're going to have issues with people trusting each other. It's a lot easier to plug and play on offense than it is on defense because you have to have guys knowing their assignments knowing what they need to do on, you know, each particular play or each particular, you know, rep. If an offense does this, then what am I doing? What's my job? And if you get one breakdown, that's where the play falls apart, right? And so, you know, if they have those pieces in place, great. Put me in the doubt column. Um, and and it's going to be three and nine for me for Arizona. And, and you know, again, it's something has to give. If there's going to be that many teams on the top end winning a lot of games, somebody has to be losing all these games. And I think Arizona's in that category of has to lose a lot of these games. All right, let's circle back to Washington State. I apologize, Wazoo fans. Uh, that was that was an accident, and uh, we will give you your due time. You went seven and six last year, four and five in conference play. It was a brutal schedule that the Cougars had to to fight through. They caught Utah and USC last season uh, out of the South, the last season of divisions. Um, but this year, I, I think it's potentially a little bit more workable. You don't catch USC. You don't catch uh, Utah this year. You're going to have to make some hay down the back straightaway of this schedule. Um, I think Washington State is going to be fighting for a bowl game. I don't know how much above the six and six mark they can get this season, but I do really applaud the job that Jake Dickert is, has been doing uh, since taking over after the Rolovich drama. That was uh, fun for nobody. And I can't imagine Wazoo having to sit there and, and try and build a football program while that was all going on. Now Wazoo should be a lot of fun this year for one main reason. And then we'll get to all the sub points. The offense is going to be must-see TV. Uh, your new offensive coordinator has been Arbuckle, 27 years old, the hottest coordinator in the country. And much like Zach Kitley went from Western Kentucky to Texas Tech the year before, Arbuckle goes from the Hilltoppers to the Cougars up on the Palouse this season. Again, just 27 years old, but he's one of the brightest minds, so they say, in the industry. The offense should be a lot of fun. Jeff Schmetting comes over from Auburn. I've got my doubts about him, my qualms about him. Auburn's defense didn't do squat under Schmitting, and a team that needs to get to the quarterback to create pressure, to get off the field on third down, to create turnovers. 
Schmetting's team did none of that. And so I'm a little bit concerned by this hiring, but the offense should be a lot of fun. Uh, team strengths, I've got the offense and edge rushers. We'll get to the edge rushers in just a minute. Cam Ward obviously returns as their quarterback. He threw for 3,200 yards, 23 touchdowns last year. It was a good offense, not a great one. And that's what they're hoping will kind of kick up into overdrive with Arbuckle. A uh, bunch of new transfers come in at wide receiver. You got Kyle Williams from UNLV, Josh Kelly from Fresno State, and you've got uh, Isaiah Hamilton from San Jose State as well. So a bunch of new weapons to play with up on the Palouse. The defense I mentioned, I'm really confused by the hiring of Schmidting. Uh, and I think I accidentally gave Brennan Jackson and Ron Stone to UCLA. I realized I scrolled down in my notes. Um, so Stone and, and Jackson are, are Washington State edge rushers. I, when I said that, I was like, man, I don't, I don't feel I like that's right at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got lost in my notes. So copy-paste everything that I said about UCLA edge rushers right. over to Washington State. I think they're going to be very, very solid. They've got the ability to get to the quarterback. Uh, if they can, if they can create some short downs and distance for the offense, Washington State could win eight games this season. If not, I still think the floor is somewhere around six and six. Um, you know, this schedule I mentioned, it's, it's workable. No USC, no Utah. An early buy is, is tough. You're going to have to go a long time right. at the end of the season. You host Wisconsin uh, in week two. You get Oregon State to open up Pac-12 play. And then you're you're on the road against UCLA, Oregon, Arizona State in three of the first four games out of the bye. I think that's where Washington State runs into a lot of trouble in this schedule. Not being at home, you go basically a month without being uh, you know, consistently in your own building. You'll play Arizona in that stretch. Stanford, Washington, Colorado, and, and uh, I'm sorry, Stanford, Cal, Colorado, and Washington to end your season. I think you can get three or four of those. The issue is just how much damage did you do right after the bye week? Yeah, and, and again, this is kind of a breaking point thing. I think they made a really good hire and then a really question mark hire, right? We were talking about the coordinator. So I think there's a lot of reason to believe the offense should play better. Uh, and across the board, most of their statistics were pretty mediocre, right? Across the board, most of them were just kind of, yeah, it's up and down. They, they were good at a few things, not so great at a few things. And, and you know, a lot of middle of the road type of stats. That's what gets you a seven and six season. Um, I just think, yeah, again, it's the schedule. This is where, you know, Trey would say, well, Wisconsin at home, this is a plucky Washington state. And, you know, we could see that. And I think all of us would still say that Wisconsin should smack them around a little bit. The, the, that Wisconsin team is going to be very, very good. Um, and then, yeah, early by, at UCLA, at Oregon, at Washington. I've got all those lined up as losses. Um, and I can't remember which one I also get. Oh, yeah, Oregon State I gave them as a loss as well. So just I don't think there's really a place to catch fire in this schedule, maybe yeah. towards that back part. You know, the Arizona State, Stanford, Cal, Colorado, that could be a place to catch fire. But at that point, most of the damage is done. At that point, most of your losses are probably on the board. And you're you're not able to play for that really high ceiling. So I have them at seven and five, which I think is going to be fine. Um, and I think that you know if they can figure out the defense, it'll probably be another season or two. But hang your hat on a good offense. And let's keep that rolling. If they can beat Arizona State on the road, which is absolutely a winnable game, yeah, week nine, they should. 
I think you can flip the momentum quite a bit. I think that's how you get to seven and five. You have a chance for an eight and four if you can knock off an Oregon State, if you can somehow pull pull it away from Wisconsin. Um, other than that, though, I think this team may be better, much better than their record would would indicate at the end of the regular season. So for Cougar fans, I, I think your stock is headed in the right direction. A, a team that I don't believe that about, and and this two of the last three teams to get to, we got Cal, Arizona State, Stanford. Cal and Stanford, I don't know how you're a fan of right now. Um, you know, listen, Cal, you almost beat Notre Dame in week three last year, but then you go on a six-game losing streak starting in week five. Uh, four and eight for Justin Wilcox. He was supposed to be this defensive specialist when he took over. The offense was not the focus. That was not going to be his strength. Uh, we knew that. The offense has struggled since he's been there. They're 10 and 18 in the three years under Wilcox. The problem was last year, the defense wasn't that good either. So how do they turn it around? Can they turn it around this year? I, I'm not hopeful for Cal. Um, you've got to rely on a new quarterback, Sam Jackson, the fifth coming in from TCU. Ben Finley also transferred over from NC State, so you've got a, a quarterback controversy there. Jaden Otten, or uh, excuse me, Jaden Ott, was far and away the best player that you had on your offense last year, nearly 900 yards as a true freshman running back. Byron Cardwell also transfers in from Oregon, so your running game should be decent. I just I have no idea what you're going to get out of the passing game. Uh, the defense last year was the first year in five seasons that they hadn't held opponents to uh, – less than 24 points a game last year they were just over that mark and it really hurt them on the schedule four and eight campaign again it was just kind of a depressing season for cal and oh by the way it doesn't get any better this year cal may have the toughest schedule in the pac 12 this year they catch washington oregon state utah usc oregon washington state and ucla oh by the way they have two non-conference games against unt and auburn this is a brutal schedule, Garrett. I, I just cannot pick out any sort of consistency. I, I think this team's going to go three and nine. And, you know, listen, Jake Spavadol coming over. I know he's coached some, some big-time quarterbacks in the past, but there's a reason why he lost his job at Texas State. I just think the Magic's maybe run out on Spav. Uh, when was the Magic there? I'm... Well, he had some good years as an offensive coordinator. Okay. Um, I Look, Spav... Jake Spavadol, that guy, man, let me tell you. Not not yeah. a whole lot of positives to say there for Jake Spavadol, so I'll keep my words to myself there. Um, I, I don't think he's a bad person, obviously. I just uh, – your luck's run out, buddy. Um, I, I have Cal going 2-10 this year. Um, I do have them losing to North Texas on wow. the road. Um, and, and Mean Green stand up, right? I think it's going to be a – uh, a tough day at Apogee for the Cal Golden Bears. Um, Auburn, that's not easy either. I do have them beating Idaho, and I have them beating Stanford at the end of the year. Um, but, yeah, not a whole lot of good uh, on the schedule. I, I just – I wonder, like, where where do you look at this team and really find, like, a real strength? I think they'll be able to run a little bit. I think they'll be able to run the football a little bit. They should be okay there. I don't think that they're going to have very much in the passing game. I don't think that they're going to stop very much this year. I think that it's going to be a, a tough year on defense. Um, they might be okay in terms of stopping the run, but I, I just don't. I don't see it. 
Um, and so I, this is me really trying to be optimistic for a second for Cal. I just don't see it happening. And, and this kind of goes into the bigger context of what's going on with the Pac-12 and certain things. I kind of wonder how much they're investing and how much they really care. Um, and and that I'm not trying to take shots at Cal here, I promise. But I just kind of wonder where you are in terms of investment in the program that they haven't been particularly good in a while. And it doesn't seem like they've really made any moves to really turn things around. Um, and, and so I look four and eight last year, I'm going two and 10 this year and, and it, things are going to be a little bit ugly there. We'll see how things play out after we get whatever their media deal is, but things are looking not great for Cal and I don't see it getting better anytime soon. Let's move on down to Arizona state. Now there is plenty of optimism for the Sun Devils, they have not been a good team. They weren't a good team last year, right? Three and nine, two and seven in conference play. Um, two four-game losing streaks. They lost to Stanford 15 to 14. But they beat Washington 45-38. They ruined the Huskies season. Uh, now, they do have Dillingham, Kenny Dillingham, coming down from Oregon. He's an Arizona State alum. He loves this program. He's ready to take this program over. He brings in Bo Baldwin. As the offensive coordinator, Brian Ward, as the defensive coordinator, there are some question marks about the hiring of Baldwin because while he had a lot of success at Eastern Washington in the early 2010s, most recently, his offense at Cal was terrible. Uh, And so for him to bring Baldwin in, this high-powered offensive mind, and not maybe set them up for the best possible success. I'm, I'm concerned about that. They don't have a starter nailed down right now. You've got Drew Pine, Trenton uh, Beret, I think is how you say his last name. I, I'll be honest, I've forgotten how to say his last name. And freshman Jaden Rashada, who will form the, the three quarterbacks competing for this starting job. Cameron Scatabo comes over from Sacramento State. Uh, he was eighth in the FCS in rushing last year. And then the wide receivers, they actually they actually have some fun names. They've got Elijah Badger, who was the top target a season to go, 866 yards, seven touchdowns. They've got Xavier Guillory coming over from Idaho State. He was an all-conference performer there. And then Jalen Con- Connors, um, tight end, had 32 catches and five touchdowns last season. So some good weapons for whoever this quarterback might be the question is just do you go with drew pine the transfer from notre dame do you go with the incumbent or do you give Jaden rashada a pick the defense uh i'm concerned about they gave up over 31 points a game last year they have a couple of edge rushers that transfer in from the big 12 and clayton smith from ou prince dorba from texas um the defensive backs could be decent you've got roe torrance who's on breakout watch Jordan Clark is your multi-year starter at Nickelback. And then you have Xavier Alford, who is a kid I covered in high school from Shadow Creek down in the Houston area. He went to USC as a safety, but now is transferred down. So all that to say, skill position players should be a whole lot of fun, offense and defense. It's a very thin offensive line group. And for that reason, I'm very dubious that Arizona State, putting all these transfers together, putting in a new offense, a new offensive system. They're going from a very conservative pro style to more of the up-tempo spread it out. 
this year isn't going to be Arizona State's year. I think the floor is is somewhere around three and nine. I think the ceiling is a bowl game. I'm going to predict them to just miss a bowl game, but they're progressing towards something better. I do think Dillingham's going to turn that program around. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think Dillingham's a great coach. I think he's going to do good things there. Um, I I can't say it this year because based on where last year left them, that roster just was torched and there wasn't a whole lot going on. He He's done a great job bringing the guys in that he was getting. To get Drew Pine, I think, is actually a really solid move. I know that he wasn't going to start at Notre Dame this year. I get that. But to be able to go get him when he probably had a few other offers that maybe would have been better names in terms of just national perception, I think being able to go get him is a really solid pickup. Um, of course, they gave Jaden Rashada all of their money, um, and so <laughs> you might have to play him just out of some kind of financial obligation or, or just to get a return on your investment. I don't know if they understand the sunk cost fallacy at Arizona State, but um, it, it's, again, it's it's with so many good teams in the Pac-12, somewhere there has to be a breaking point. I think Arizona State loses some of those games, but among the low-tier teams, I actually think Arizona State's a pretty solid team. I have them going four and eight. Um, I, I do think that they'll beat – gosh, who did I pick them to beat? I picked them to beat Arizona at the end of the year. I have them beating Cal. Um, and then um, it, I, don't, I don't think they get Stanford, so I would have picked them over Stanford if they would have gotten them. But um, they, they, they don't have necessarily the easiest schedule in the whole wide world either. I think I will pick them to beat Fresno State and Southern Utah, get their four wins. Um, and, and I think that this is a, a different situation than Cal, right? Where with Cal, I was saying they're heading in the wrong direction. No reason to be excited. I think that's different here. I think there's lots of reasons to be excited if you're Arizona State. I just think you have to, again, be a little bit patient, temper those expectations, and make sure that you you get where you're trying to go. It's a great line set at four and a half. I think that five yeah. win, four win mark is exactly where Arizona State ends up this year. The, the back half is is tough. Washington, Wazoo, Utah, UCLA, Oregon, Arizona. Um, that's a tough finish to the season. So again, Sun Devil fans, I think you should be encouraged. I think you're going in the right direction. This year could be could be a learning learning moment. Uh, let's round it out with Stanford. Listen, Stanford football has been really painful to watch the last couple of years. David Shaw finally stepped away. Uh, the team only returns five starters this year for Troy Taylor's group. Um, and I'm really, really just thinking Stanford's in for another painful year. Um, it's truly anyone's guess who could win the quarterback battle. They've got four guys battling for it right now. You read around, it looks like Ari Patu, the six foot four mobile quarterback. He's a junior is, is the favorite to win that. Uh, they do have EJ Smith, Emmett Smith's son at running back. But, uh, last year he had six 6.9 yards per carry, which is good. He only had 30 carries, though. He was always banged up, couldn't stay on the field. Ben Yorsik, uh, 49 catches, 445 yards last season. Troy Taylor's offense likely is going to run through the tight end, so Yorsik could have a, a much bigger season. You could honestly say that you could get close to doubling those stats uh, for Ben next year. The defense, they bring in Bobby April the third as the defensive coordinator. His whole motto is to reinstitute the party in the backfield. He wants heavy blitzes. He wants tackles for loss. He wants multiple sacks every game. I don't know that they're going to get there that this season, but uh, David Bailey is kind of the leader on the defensive line, seven and a half tackles for loss and a sack and a half last year as a freshman. 
Uh, and then they bring in Gaethan Bernadelle from Florida International. He's going to lead the linebacking core, uh, is without a doubt, their most talented linebacker. I don't really think this team has a strength, unfortunately. Too much unproven, yeah. too many too many new spots to fill. I mentioned only five starters, um, and then you just kind of pointed a position group, and you could say that's the team's weakness. I think 2-10 and ten is realistic for Stanford this season. Uh, you, you look at their schedule, and it's just – it's tough to imagine them getting a conference win this season. I think they could be Hawaii and Sac State, where Troy Taylor comes from, actually. Um, but then, I mean, point point at a conference game and tell me where they're the better team. Maybe they beat Cal at home. That's kind of the one that I think you could you could maybe point to. But it's going to be a rough year for the Cardinals. Yeah, you pretty much said it. I mean, that's exactly what I have, Matt. I'm at two and ten. I don't have them winning a conference game. Um, it's it's tough, right? It's tough when you you lose a coach that's been there for a long time, but obviously Shaw just wasn't working out, and and it's rebuilding, right? You're in a rebuilding state. The line is three and a half. I think you can pretty safely go under that one. Um, and, and yeah, I just, I just picked Cal to go and beat them. So obviously, I think two and ten for Stanford. You're right. There's not a whole lot of strengths in this team. There's not a whole lot of places where you look at this team and say, yeah, they're going to be great at that. I think if you're going to hang your head on anything, you have to hope that EJ Smith is going to be healthy and that he can just kind of be the guy, right? If he can be the guy, you could find three, maybe four wins if he's just going to come out of nowhere and kind of be, you know, the, the absolute stud that, you know, we're all kind of expecting him to be. But if he can't stay healthy and if you can't really put him through that much work, it's hard to see what they do on offense that really gets them more than two wins on the season. Well, there you go. That's our Pac-12 preview. Doesn't end on a high note. Yeah, for a conference um, we're excited about, we're going to sure end on a sour note there with Stanford. Listen, uh, you know, I can't control that. If Stanford wants to to play some better football this year, uh, they are they are free to do so. Be my but, guess, yeah. But I think overall, this conference is very intriguing. A number of teams could end up in the Pac-12 championship game. I think we're going to be watching Oregon State all season long. We're going to be watching uh, UCLA, Washington State. What do the Arizona schools do? I mean, there's so many storylines outside of just USC, Oregon, and then Washington as a dark horse. You know, the final year of the Pac-12, and I know we haven't really talked about that this year. This episode was not meant to be you know, uh, a rehash of all the headlines that you've seen. It's meant to focus on the football on the field. I think this is going to be a very good season in the Pac-12. The, the final season of the Pac-12 as we currently know it, what they turn into in the future, if they survive, who knows. But uh, I think this year should be a whole lot of fun, and it'll give you a reason to stay up past midnight uh, on the East Coast. Well, and let's let's be clear about kind of the big picture for the Pac-12. Obviously, you've already lost Colorado. Really hoping you don't lose too much more if you're in the Pac-12. If you're looking at it from a big picture, this is the year where you need the fireworks, right? You need to show people that you've got a great product, that you can you can put a great product on the field consistently, and, and it can't only come from the teams leaving, right? If it's just USC being the greatest show to watch, then nobody's going to want to sign up. And I know that they have the media deal and it's coming soon and all the other stuff, but assuming that that's not actually true because it doesn't seem like it is, um, let, let's let's just go with the assumption that they need to show that Washington and Oregon and Utah and, and Oregon State can carry this conference and be exciting enough to watch that they can continue to be contenders and and you know 
carry this conference forward. So this this year is very crucial for the conference's success in, in terms of needing to show that, yeah, they're going to be fun to watch and that it's still going to be a good product. Well, write in. Let us know what you think. Who's going to win the Pac-12? Who are your storylines to watch? Are you high on Colorado or are you down on Colorado? So much to impact from this episode. Uh, as a reminder, head on over, get your Transfer Portal CFB preview magazine for just $9.99 and use code 3TechPod at Homefield to get 15% off your entire order. For Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, so long, everybody. Gracious, yeah. how about that?